0: How do you start a podcast?
1: I don't know. How do you start a podcast? Hello, though. Hello. Hello. (laughs) I'm Cameron. I'm John.
0: Welcome to the greatest podcast you will ever hear.
1: Humbly speaking. Humbly. Humbly.
0: Humbly speaking. How are you doing, John?
1: I'm doing good. You know, my birthday was yesterday, so feeling about the same. How old are you now? 28. 28. Yeah, closer to 30. You're four touchdowns. I am four touchdowns. I am a whole whopping four touchdowns.
0: What multiples of numbers do you like normally count by? Fives. Fives? Yeah. I always, when I was a kiddo, always tried to decipher numbers or break numbers down into football scores. Like, how would I get to that number in football scores? Hmm. So something like 50. Like, oh, how do I get to 50 using football scores? You know?
1: Yeah, that's doable.
0: I don't know if that was a... I mean, it's you know, five touchdowns and five field goals would be the easiest way to go about doing it.
1: It's a lot of scoring.
0: You always kind of assume that when you get a when you have a touchdown, you get a field goal.
1: You mean extra point? What did I say? I said field goal. Field goal. Extra point. Come on, yeah. man!
0: I know that we, that's not always a given.
1: <laughs> not always. Now that they moved it back,
0: I thought it was a really great idea.
1: I think it is a great idea. Makes it more interesting. I'm
0: really glad we got onto football immediately and not the tangent that I'd wanted to go on
1: what's the tangent you want to go on <laughs>
0: um i I do want to ask how what you what did you do for your birthday though
1: um well all, I was off all last week so um, on my birthday yesterday it worked um, <laughs> so very exciting day but last week I was off so my sister my brother-in-law um, my nephews were in town so we kind of explored Manitowoc a little bit uh, which is Really fun because, although I've been living here for three days, three years, three days, three years, (laughs) I haven't explored Manitowoc as much as I wanted to, um, mostly because of COVID. Once COVID happened, everything was shut down. So, they visited and it gave me a great excuse to explore. So I went to the Royal West Museum, which I've never been to, the Lake uh, West of the Lake Gardens, a couple other places in town. So it was it was great, great week off.
0: Great, man. I'm really glad that. You get to see your family? Yeah. Your dad's retired now, right?
1: He is, yeah. And he came in town uh, for one day on Saturday um, to celebrate my birthday a little bit early. But it was nice. It was nice to see him.
0: If you haven't been to the Raw West Museum, definitely highly recommend. There's just a lot of historical value in that building. They'll also have school children will do art towards the end of the year, around the year, and they'll hang that up in one of the main galleries. Also... Sputnik.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's cool. The a, fact that Sputnik crashed here. That's pretty neat. I mean, not cool. It, right? I mean, I'm, It's good that like nobody a, got hurt. It was a right? piece of it, right? It was a piece of it. Yeah. yeah not the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, it was a piece of it. But I, I believe it's the only like confirmed place that it has crashed. So it's that's pretty neat.
0: That's what they want you to think. Yeah, probably. I found out going off of this tangent and going down to another one. I used to teach...
2: Right? Mm-hmm.
0: I used to teach, I, I could say it, I used to teach in Two Rivers. One of my buddies still teaches at, there at the middle school. And he texted me last week of one of my students holding out her phone. And on the phone was our podcast. No way. On Spotify. We're
1: celebs already. We got to shut it down. We can't, can't be this big.
0: And he said, what is this about then? I told him before I left... I'm going to be doing this podcast for the parish. I'm really excited about it. He just doesn't listen. So if there are any True River students listening, hello. Hi. Congratulations on graduating this week.
1: Awesome. from Summer.
0: Summer. Good luck in high school. I hope you would find, I don't know, I don't think you'll find this interesting, but hey, I'm glad that you want to hear my voice, I guess.
1: Hey, never know.
0: You might find it interesting. Pivoting then. You know I'm a humble guy, John. Always. I One of the most humble people you'll ever hear. Humbly. <laughs> Humbly. I think that I've made, in the past three or four years, three of the greatest decisions ever. What are they? One, getting married.
1: Definitely.
0: That, that's a good one. Yeah, okay? that's a good
1: one. I'd be um, definitely number one for me.
0: Two, changing careers. Again, high interest. <laughs> And three, this is the one I want to really get into, I got off of social media.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And maybe you can, and one of the big reasons that I did, and maybe you can help me with this because you're still on social media, Mm -hmm. people that are on social media, and, and maybe it's not, and it's not everybody, but there's a lot of people on social media who complain about things that are out of their control. Does that still happen? Oh,
1: absolutely. Every day. Absolutely.
0: We live in a great country. It's a large country. The world is very big. Stuff is always happening around the world that we can all be upset about. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that do spend a lot of their energy with a very big lens worrying about things that they can't control. Now, the problem with that is that When you worry about things that are out of your control and you look at the world with that big of a lens, you can't focus on the things that are in your small community. Right. Think about a mosaic. Excuse me. If you look at a mosaic from a really far, like from far away, you can see a picture. Right. But if you go really close to it, you can see all the little pieces that make it up. Absolutely. And if you look at just the big picture, and it's good. I'm not saying we need to be ignorant about the things that are happening in the world. I think it's important that we do look at the things that are happening around the world. But when you don't look at your small community, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we started this podcast is to start a better understanding of the community that is in Manitowoc. right? And a kind of analogy that I'll use to help us understand a little bit because so many kiddos or sorry, this will pop up on the computer. here. Um, so many of our youth, so many people have this desire for community, but they can't find it or they feel like it isn't where they are. Mm-hmm. He, here's, here's what I'm going to propose when I was growing up and even now, one of my favorite shows was Friends. Great show. I love Friends.
1: It's a great show. I feel like it's a highly debated show. I feel like a lot of people like love Friends, and then there's people who are like, it's overrated. But I liked it. I enjoy it.
0: And I think that you, I can, o- I can also probably ask this question to many sitcoms that have come out after it. Right. The Office, Parks and Recreation. Great show. How I Met Your Mother. Great show. Except for the last episode. Correct. Eva I haven't seen it, but Big Bang Theory. Like most I think you say it about most sitcoms. Right. The reason and here's the question I'm gonna ask. You've seen Friends. I have. How often did the characters and friends worry about what was going on in the world?
1: I I can't really think of specific episodes. Um, I, <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen this show but I can't recall many
0: you can't recall many because there aren't any
1: I'm sure that's true and, I trust you
0: <laughs> and How I Met Your Mother The Office Parks and Recreation never in those episodes are they worried about something that is outside of their control in the wider mm-hmm. world they're Focused on – and Parks and Recreation is a really great example of this. Focused on the close-knit community that they have. Yeah. And that is what draws us to those shows. That is what draws people to those kind of communities. That's why people binge those shows. It's why they love those shows because it is a type of community that we long for, Mm -hmm. but we don't see the connection of what they're worried about on the show. Now, I'm not saying – take life advice from sitcoms
1: unless it's ron swanson great advice
0: (laughs) but it is important for us to realize where we focus our attention definitely and where we spend our energy now if there's there's a lot of causes out there that are greater than the manitoba community that you can have a hand in helping and promoting and being a part of um, that doesn't involve you giving all of your attention and all of your energy complaining about it on right. social media. Mm-hmm. And we have a wonderful guest today. I'm very excited for our guest today. I'm really excited. That um, you kind of ju- <laughs> you threw me off. Um, our, our, our guest today is, is Deacon Mark LeGrieve. You can say hi now. Hi now. <laughs> Uh, And uh, I'm really excited to have you on, Deegan, because you have been in the thick of the wider community in Manitowoc um, for a long time. And I I think it's great that people are going to be able to hear your perspective, but I do want to start. We had a priest on last week, last episode, two weeks ago, and I'd really love to hear about how you go about being a deacon, because most we had a conversation with Father Ben about being mm-hmm. a transitional deacon, but you're a permanent deacon, and we're just kind of curious about how you how do you go through your life to to that moment?
2: Oh my goodness! You mean my my, my faith story or how <laughs> yeah how did I end it, up to be deacon Mark? How did you end Yeah, happen? I guess how you specifically became deacon Mark. Um. Oh geez. I'm trying to decide how long or short of a story to tell you guys. I mean the the short version is You can give
0: us the long version.
2: Oh the people kinda I mean Okay. Which I think we're doing this for
0: the for the long version. Okay. I think it's important that we hear your story.
2: Well, I can tell you I'm a product of Traverse. You know, are you talking to the Travers people? You know, I'm a product of Travers. So it is Traverse. it's not two reverse, you know. I'm learning that. I'm
0: from Shebagas, so I don't know.
2: Shebagas, Dad. Right? I'm from Heartland. It's yeah. just Heartland. So basically, I was pretty much a, a clueless kid until I was about 34. Um, I grew up in Two Creeks, Two Creeks. Was a, until I was middle school, moved to the big city of Trivers, went to LB Clark Middle School. That's where i I think I be I got a little more awareness than just outside two or three people you know you were just talking about sitcom type, yeah, I think that was my my life before middle school is I had a understanding of maybe like two or three people you know I had no understanding of the greater I don't think I did I don't remember it anyway anyway, moved to Trevor's went through middle school, went through high school um wasn't really connected with much probably. More the bad things than the good things. Um it's outside a community that, you know, not so popular, but it taught me a lot anyway. Um John Bon Jovi used to look like me, you know, he had long <laughs> hair, things like that. Nice. I'm trying to picture you with long hair.
0: I'm glad that you went with Bon John Bon Jovi looked like you instead of you look like John Bon Jovi.
2: You know, it has been said Adam Levine has looked like me already too.
0: Always <laughs> oh, the Maroon Five guy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't hear it often, but I've heard it. I can see the resemblance. Okay. So anyway, I, I graduate high school. I went to this local, I guess you'd call it like a tech school. It wasn't LTC. It was a smaller trade school. Mm. Finished that. Got a job. Got married. Ended up having two kids. My wife had two kids. Well, well yeah, yeah, right. You, you yeah. know what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: you have to specify that now.
2: I mean, true. It'd no, be. we don't. <laughs> so anyway, 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 um, yeah. You, you know, I was well, going down this path. I went to my associates. Um, then I was working on my bachelor's. You know, you had talked on the prior episodes that you're a recovering st- teacher. That's right. I, I'm a recovering student. <laughs> I'm I, I'm 53 years old, and I bet you I've been in school probably about 40. 43, 44 years of that. Oh, my God! Pretty much most all my life, I've been taking something. I'm a slow learner. That's
0: okay. Slow learners are learners. So anyway,
2: fast forward. I get to the age. I'm 34. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be this business person. And, you know, I think my understanding of my faith was sort of like my understanding of anything out of the encyclopedia. You know, it was just like data, facts. You know, going to church was like going to a movie. Right. You know, I, I was sacramentalized, but I wasn't evangelized.
1: Oh, I, I like that.
2: So, uh, yeah, that's a mouthful there. There's a story behind that. Anyway, so then, uh, tragically, uh, my brother died by suicide. So that's, like, mic drop. Like, my whole world just, like, flipped upside down, discovered a lot of things about myself, lost purpose for living, um, uh, other than having wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Having a wife and kids kept me from making bad decisions. So... Um, so in that time, shortly after my brother died, my dad asked me for the 10th time to go on a retreat. And I figured, well, you know, he'll feel better about it and I'll be the sacred, sacred victim to go there. They'll figure out I don't belong here and they'll kick me <laughs> out. And my dad will feel great. So I went and it was the best moment of my life. I, I finally, fig- you talked about community. I finally figured out what a, a community was. No, it, it took a three-day a three retreat. Um, but yeah, that, that was those two events. I would say my brother's death and then that, uh, retreat probably within six months, of my brother's death just transformed my life. So it flipped my life upside down. So instead of me pursuing a career, it was me pursuing, um, something that filled me or actually healed me hmm. more healed me. The things that I did after that moment really were about, um, Healing the brokenness of losing my brother, and that was mm-hmm. found in, I guess you'd say, serving the marginalized. You know, meeting the brokenness of this world, and not feeling so broken myself, but trying to, I don't know, embrace it.
0: Can you, big? Like, I if this is, I mean, this is a big, this is a big moment for you. Is was there a uh, something at the retreat that pushed you over that edge, or? you know, drew you closer in some... Uh, it doesn't have to be a radical way, but it was like a, a click, a light bulb moment.
2: There were many of them. You, you know, and the thing about this retreat, and many retreats, they always say, don't tell people what they do on those retreats. <laughs> was this a CW retreat? Yeah, it was. And it's not because it's a cult. It's not because <laughs> it's... Uh, cause it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not because of that. It's because... The thing, like, I'll, I'll tell you what it was. But when I tell you, you'd be like, uh, that won't do it for me. I'm not going on CW. Right? Who knows? Was That's it? okay.
0: I've already made the decision.
2: That, that, that you never will? Yeah. We'll talk. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, no judgment um, as I smile. But it, it was actually the part of the retreat that... Uh, it's a little over halfway through and it's like right before confession you you know because it takes we're very shielded people and we have to Mm be be immersed in something for a while to really soften to allow those little cracks to you know let something to get into our soul and it was a little little more than a day after we've been there and you know you don't get enough sleep because they they do that to you they're mean or whatever they don't (laughs) let you get much sleep and I'm an introvert. I don't like being around people, so I was overwhelmed, and I wasn't on strong enough meds I feel at the that. time. Yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't on strong enough antidepressants at the time, so I was all worried about it and all stressed out. But anyway, there's this moment where, <laughs> where you go in this room, and you get this white paper bag, and inside the white paper bag is this. You have no idea what it is. Then you open it up, and it's all these notes from people, people that you don't know, and people just saying that, hey i'm praying for you hey you know and you know it's some some expression of god's love or people would say hey you know in the week up leading it up to this you know um my favorite thing is coffee and actually for the last month i haven't drank any coffee And during the time i was really desiring that coffee i was just praying that some souls would come to christ and just go on this retreat and i'm grateful you're here you know and after reading like 20 30 of these i just start crying and yeah I, and i i mean I don't cry. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm quite stoic and take meds to prevent that now. But yeah, I start crying. So it's very rare I cry and it just broke me. And it's like, wow, this is like real community. That's powerful. People just just like Mm -hmm. sacrificing and praying for someone and and just unconditional love. When I worked at the last parish on
1: the Life Teen group for confirmation retreats, we did that exact same activity And I can tell you, we did at the end of the retreat, not the last day, but the second to last day um, after mass, you know, we're unwinding and and we hand out these bags and similar experiences. I would say kids that may have seemed closed to the retreat the whole weekend, uh, you could see them getting emotional and overwhelmed with just the love from people that they may have met that day or that weekend um but also from their friends that were on the retreat and also we had the parents send a letter too mm-hmm. um and this was for a confirmation retreat and i can tell you it's something so simple but also so powerful at the same time yeah i've you, experienced you know, the same thing
2: that that and, you did and i'm positive my both my parents had written me letters you yeah know, within six months after burying one of their kids you mm-hmm. know and my brother and sister-in-law had written me a letter too, and you know, yeah, you're, that's your bond to cry with. Yeah, that. yeah, definitely in a good way. So you At have this,
0: you have this powerful experience, and that is one of them. You don't, hey, mm. keep that, keep the secrets. Um, so you have the, you have this experience, and you find this wholeness, almost this mm. desire to serve the marginalized. So, what does that start looking like in your life?
2: Well, I guess the way it happened is uh I think Rich Bonneman asked me to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Deacon Rich said I, I won't imitate him, but he goes, Hey, Mark, you want you, you wanna like go to jail? Like, sure, you going?" So I did. I just like jumped into jail ministry. I just for some reason I just had lost all apprehension mm-hmm. and fear. It's just like Yeah. If you say it's cool, if you go there, I'll go with you. Yeah, it, It's most sur- one of the, at that time, the, one of the most surreal experiences. And then following that, someone said, Hey, Mark, you want to teach real? It just said, how about seventh graders? The most aw- unwily creatures on earth, seventh graders. <laughs> I was going to say middle schoolers, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that for a while. And then, what else was it? I think we volunteered at Hope House. You know what? Oh, and then I started doing some stuff at church, like, lecturing i feared public speaking getting in front of like more than three people is public speaking to me and i just feared it. i would shake and sweat and so i lectured uh became a eucharistic minister brought communion to the homebound you know and just started doing these things Hmm. it was really therapeutic for me for healing the loss of my brother is really what it was it was selfish of me i didn't think of it as service it was just like i was Actually, neglected my family quite a bit. That I didn't spend time with them. I just threw myself into service, but I had to learn how to balance that later.
1: But I think though too, you mean you said it's like selfish, but at the same time, like there's two different routes you could have taken with the loss of your brother. There's um, sometimes you
2: and all the vices, right? Right.
1: There's the vices. There's you know going down a dark path, Mm -hmm. um, which. You know, I have a lot of empathy for people down that path because you lost somebody very close to you. And then, but then there's decision of, okay, like you said, you you know, you had that moment on the retreat. I'm going to turn this into something positive. Um, still lo- still missing your brother, obviously, but taking this awful moment in your life and doing
2: something good with it. Um, exactly. Yeah, You know, I think that that whole thing just sort of, you know, at my brother's death, I was placed in a very uncomfortable position, a Mm -hmm. place that I didn't know how to respond or how to act. Mm -hmm. And I think ever since then, my view to ministry is step into areas that you don't understand and don't know what to do and just step into it. Let God sort it out. We're kind of called to do that. I mean, we're called to
1: be uncomfortable. about things exactly and then just trust the lord that it'll be okay you know you've done a lot of work uh in manitowoc and i think uh this would be a good transition to to talking about that uh do you want to talk about kind of some of the um things that you have pursued within the
2: community oh sorry (laughs) we haven't even gotten to the deacon part okay oh that's true the deacon part i forgot about that (laughs) i forgot that part too well (laughs) So let's
0: see that sense. first. We're really good at interviewing people. <laughs> yeah, but very,
2: very good. Humbly. Okay. Humbly. 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 My favorite attribute is my humility. <laughs> You're going to have to use that one. I, so, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> anyway, during, during this process of, you know, just soul searching and getting into different things, um, another deacon, uh, Deacon Bob Beaners, um, I went to him, I think, for spiritual direction, maybe one of the... Re- cw is following that not the first one the following one and i said you know what you know i've been going to school you know i'm this recovering student right i constantly go to school and i just finished my mass uh bachelor's right when my brother had died like literally within a week i think yeah within a week i finished my bachelor's and he completed suicide so so there's like a that's like one year or so where i wasn't in school two years and I talked to Deacon Beener, and he says, hey, you could go to something thing called Commission Ministry. And then it was called the Emmaus Program, and now it's named something else. Anyway, the diocese has something else. So it's just basically these classes you take, take through the diocese where you take, uh, you just learn more about your faith. Mm. It was awesome. It was just incredible. It, it Anyway, I started on the first year. And you take these classes alongside deacons. Deacons take these same classes. But I'm not going to be a deacon at that time. I'm just going to commission ministry, just trying to, I don't know, figure out who I am. And in prayer, I don't know how to explain it, there was just something in prayer like, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And there happened to be um, a person who really didn't like deacons. And he really... Um, wasn't in support of deacons, and th- this person said I could be around him as long as I wasn't a deacon. So, and mm. I'm not going to get into specifics. Yeah, anyway. I know. yeah. So anyway, I ended up coming to at that time I was attending daily mass in Manitowoc, and I saw Father Felton after one mass, and he knew who I was just through retreats and stuff. A good reason to go on retreats, Cameron is. You get to know priests better. Anyway, do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I never said
2: I would go on retreats. I'm very sure, open to going on retreats. Okay. So anyway, maybe like a three-minute conversation with Father Felton. I just said, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about applying for the diaconate." And he goes, "What's holding you back?" And I said, "Well, this person." He said, "Get the papers. I'll sign it." That was it. Wow! So I signed it, and from then on, it was pretty much. It's not that I wanted to. You know, I think if you want to be a deacon, you, it's one of those things. If you want to be president, you shouldn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I've heard. yeah, Yeah. If yeah.
2: you want to be a deacon, you probably shouldn't. For me, it was more about, there was something like what I said within prayer that was just like, what are you afraid of? Why, let me say no. Mm-hmm. Let me say no. And I think that if you're going to apply it to anything like the diaconate or, or even if you're considering a vocation like going to the priesthood, that uh, you let someone else say no. It's your yes to enter the journey. It's not mm-hmm. your right to say yes. I deserve to have this. So, I just took every class and did everything I was asked to me, and I just expected at some point they would say, uh, "You're you're not suited to be a deacon." You're now. Um, you, well, we want you to try something else, but you know they never did do that. So, and there and there's really three people that can say that. There's your if you're married, it's your spouse. Your spouse can say no. Your your first. Uh, Vocation is marriage. And if you can't sustain your marriage, you can't be a deacon. Mm. So the wife always has to first say whether you can enter the program or whether you could be ordained. And then um, next one is your pastor. The pastor has to say, yeah, this is a person that I believe can work. we can work with. And then there's the bishop. If any one of the three say, no, you can't, you can't. So I entered that journey of saying, okay, I'm just going to enter this. And it's like, it's a five-year process. I think not. It might be six now. It's five, I think. But you just enter it waiting to see for someone to say, nah, you're done. <laughs> and that, that, that never happened. Now here, here you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somehow I snuck through. <laughs> <laughs> made through. I, I made it through. No, no. Was... But do, do you know what the meaning of deacon is?
0: Enlighten us, please. Servant. Yeah.
2: Mm. It's a servant. Okay. And that's why before... I mean, the first ordination that's received is a, to be a deacon. So a priest is always a deacon. A priest is right. always a deacon first. They're mm-hmm. always a servant first. Right. A bishop is always a deacon. They're always a deacon first. And the pope is always a deacon. They're always a deacon first. They're right. always a servant at heart. You, you have to be a, a true servant or something's wrong. If you're self-serving, that you're serving the wrong God. Right, right sort of ended that conversation no No, that's
0: that's great because one of the one of the reasons that uh, I always appreciate deacons when they understand and many of the all the deacons we we have here in Manitowoc too the commission commissioning of the first deacons was that so the apostles could continue to convert and pray and celebrate the mass And there were all these other administrative things that were getting in the way. So they commissioned deacons to take that load off of their back so they could continue to do the work that Jesus had commissioned them to do. And that is awesome. I think that's super great because, I mean, you would know this just as much as we do because you work for the parish. You work with our wonderful priests that we have here. If you've ever seen one of their Google calendars, it, it makes me want to vomit because it is so much so much is is on the backs of our priests and you would never know it because they're so humble right right (laughs) and they do such an amazing job in their ministry and they love being priests so much that's why i love being able to watch a priest be a priest because you just see this joy about them that sometimes maybe you don't see and Our deacons who understand that things need to be taken off of the backs of priests so they can continue to administer the sacraments. They can continue to pray and they can continue to be priests without the weight of the administrative things that happen with just being a large organization like the Catholic Church. I think that's important for people to understand that our deacons truly are servants. They are taking the load off of the priests back so they can continue to do their job. Yeah.
1: Growing up I I didn't have any deacons at the parish I grew up at. Um so when I moved here, I was like, "Whoa, there's so many so many deacons, but but then I was like, but that's that's awesome. Like they they need that. Um I think it's beautiful how many deacons there are within this parish, especially for a parish of this size. I truly couldn't imagine there not being this many because of how many duties there really are uh, that need to be done within a parish. So,
0: so the, other, the other big reason, I mean, we wanted to have you on. Um, a, uh, big thanks to you for, I mean, you're the reason we are doing this. Right now, you were the contact person that was open to hearing uh, two handsome uh, white boys from Manitowoc, humbly,
1: yeah, hum- yeah.
0: want to want to start a, a podcast, and we thank you very much for for allowing us to uh, be a be a part of ministry in this way. Um,
2: you know, I think so, that's what uh, the church should do. You know, when uh, the Holy Spirit works among people and it inspires people to say hey I think God is calling me I think the church should say go for it yeah well we appreciate it definitely because I don't think we were scared of
1: um, asking but we we're still very appreciative of getting the blessing from yourself and from the parish to do this
0: also I mean you know we lack the resources right? That too. to too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and maybe the talents, but you know, we're figuring it out.
0: <laughs> That's why this is only a this is a guest only ordeal. Right. Because I don't think you and I could hold a candle for an
2: hour. It, but but you guys are answers to a prayer. You know what's a prayer, you know, our global church, our diocese and our local church is just struggling to reach people. You know, we have pretty much the model that show up at our church and we can speak to you. Pick mm-hmm. up one of our paper bulletins, we speak to you. Or wander on our Facebook account. We speak to you, but outside of that, we have our reach isn't as it should be. Well, we're hoping to hoping to strengthen that with us. So. We have high expectations. You too.
1: <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no, anyway, no pressure. No pressure, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. no pressure. We can handle it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of reach, I think this is a really great segue. Uh, you, the other reason we wanted to have you on, you just took a short ish mission trip to the border. I
2: did.
0: And I know that there are definitely some, and and I've heard you speak about this a couple of times. I think it's a great story. Um, You're more than welcome to say as much or as little about your experience, the things that you saw, the things that you witnessed. But I think it's important that people really do understand what is going on for people who are struggling, people who are trying to find refuge at the border
2: thank you yeah that
0: this is the u i'm sorry this is the u.s mexico border
2: yeah yeah not, not the US, canada. Canada. yeah not the border with canada we don't yeah we're not worried about that one so much i think the canadians are more worried about us americans going there most likely yeah i believe they are <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are okay so uh yeah i was on my heart for a couple of years actually i've seen these ads for a couple of years um uh, Mary Knoll has this immersion trip. They have immersion trips around the world, but they have this one that's tied to our Feast of Lady of Guadalupe in the beginning of December. And basically, it's a week-long retreatish type trip. I, I didn't know anything other than that. I knew mm-hmm. Mary Knoll put it on. I knew it was in El Paso. It was tied to our Feast of Lady of Guadalupe. So it's been a couple of years on my mind, and now finally I, I work for the parish, and as a deacon, um, one of the benefits is um, we need to go on an annual retreat. Mm-hmm. And there's a portion of that that gets paid for by, through the diocese. So I chose to finally go on this trip to El Paso, not really knowing what I was getting into. So basically, in short, what it is, is so there's um, a handful of religious orders that used to have uh, missionaries that go around the world You know, to foreign lands to serve those areas. Mm -hmm. But they were US based. And in the last couple of years, it's just been on their hearts for the Holy Spirit's been working on them. And it's just like, hey, you know, you guys are going around the world, but what's happening at your southern border? And there's a handful of these religious orders that didn't know. Didn't know. And, you know, they tried asking people, and no one really knew. Hmm. So they said, uh, hey, we're going to send uh, two people from our order. We're going to pull them out of this area of the world and we're going to have them go to the southern border and we're going to send them to El Paso. And it, it just happened that the Holy Spirit coordinated and there's this couple of religious orders that have sent people down to El Paso. So they've spent a couple of years now just studying or in Pope Francis's word, encountering. Just encountering. I mean, the only way to really understand the messiness of the world is to dive head first and, mm-hmm. you know, So these religious orders have been sending (laughs) spies, I guess, down there, (laughs) sending people down there just to figure out what's going on, what's going on, what's really happening. Mm. And uh, after a couple of years, they came to the conclusion it's a mess. It's an ugly mess. It's an ugly, complicated mess that uh, I don't know if there's a fix for. So basically on this retreat, um, like any retreat, you they really don't tell you what you're going to do because part of the retreat is entering in the unknown. Right. So every day you wake up and they'll just say, hey, uh, you want to pack this type of clothes? We're going to be gone for this long and you'll need this type of clothes. You get in the vehicle and you drive. And I'd say for for seven days, you go to three different, um, I guess you'd say agencies. Sure. So they just take you to three different agencies that are working with migrants okay. in the uh, in the El Paso area, and one of the days we actually went into Juarez. Wow! So, and I didn't even know what Juarez was. It, it's a city. Yeah, yeah, it's monstrous city. So anyway, you, you go to all these different—I usually call them nonprofits. Nonprofits are different groups that are silently serving the marginalized, and you, and you get to not just um, hear about them like encyclopedia. You actually walk in their doors mm. and you meet the people that are being served there yeah so give you an example we went um one of the days we went to the border and we had two border, borders and customs control uh agents give us a presentation on the history of uh the u.s border control uh, what rules they live by and mm. you know I'll, in their life they tell you about their life and uh, basically what they do, um, and it's different from what we probably think they do. So anyway, we did that one day, and the day we went into Juarez, we went to a Catholic church in Mexico. We went to what they call a library in in Juarez. We went to, I guess you would call it a, a place for handicapped children, almost like a school. We went to one of those. And... The stories of all these things are just amazing and so deep I couldn't get into it. But it's not just that you're seeing it like, like you're reading a book. You're actually meeting the people that founded it. You're meeting the people that are served there. Um, you're outside of it. You know, you're know, you driving down the roads and seeing what it's actually like in that neighborhood, right? Yeah, it's, so you did that. A couple, one of the days we went to... So there's this place when, uh, for the people that do get across... That ice holds for like twenty four hours or whatever. There's a point where ice releases them, mm. so so these people go inbound, and you know it, it's sort of like a bus stop. You know, it's just like okay, fly be free,
1: mm.
2: you know, and yeah, yeah, it's just like go. So I mean, that that's where ice or our government ends. Right. So these people are in El Paso and say they need to get to Reedsville, Wisconsin. Figure it out, right? You know. So basically this agency, it's basically a shelter, like a homeless shelter, but it's Mm -hmm. there for like a day and it helps these uh, migrants. Um, It gives them a change of clothes so so they can get out of basically prison uniforms because when they're held, they're treated like prisoners. But when they're released, they're civilians, but they don't have their clothes back. So this place gives them civilian clothes, gives them maybe like a bag of lunch, depending on their travel, and then it helps them arrange their travel, whether it's airfare, um, bus ticket, or whatever, and help them get inbound. And then it gets them to the airport the next day or gets them mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so we volunteered a shift there. We did a volunteer shift there. So we were s- spending time with these migrants that just got out of the ICE detention center, and they're going to be going inbound. We are there.
0: do Do you speak spanish
2: Uh, well i no i don't i don't but i'm starting to learn i um, one of the things i learned is that one way you need to have to communicate to people is you need to learn to speak their language Mm -hmm. right you need to when you move from two creeks to trivers you have to know how to speak like your trivers or manitowoc (laughs) but yeah but it's a sign of respect too right you know so a sign of respect would be for us to respect migrants as we had learned to speak the language of the migrants. So so as they're struggling to speak our language, we're struggling to speak theirs. You know, it's a m- humility, mm, right? Yeah. So I started in uh, December trying to learn Spanish on Duolingo, and I'm a slow learner, so I'm not even going to try to do any, but I'm trying to learn, just like I'm trying to learn guitar. But anyway, no, I don't speak Spanish. But in pinch, I would use my cell phone, and I'd use Google Translate. There you go. That's what i would do so anyway i mean i can't even tell you what else did we do on this excursion so it was just basically every day you're just immersed in oh we listened to some immigration attorneys but like these prosecutors that are trying to help immigrants mm-hmm. come in mm-hmm. um yeah there's just so many different things and i like to call them migrants right i don't like to talk about immigration mm-hmm. because Immigration is like a word that our society it's, it's hyper has. It's p- hyper-politicized. It's a hyper-politicized word, right? Yeah. So I don't like saying immigration. I'll, I'll call it migrant because Jesus was a migrant. Mm, Most sure. definitely. Mary yeah. and Joseph were migrants. Most, refugees, too. They're, yeah. yeah, they're yeah. refugees. So if we speak in that language, you know, and really our eternal journey from being uh, Earth to Heaven, we're migrants, we're refugees, right? Yeah. So we're on a continued migration. So, if we talk about, you know, we're all on some type of path of, migrancy, or, or we're a refu- you know, we're refugees. You know, we're intended for heaven, so we're not in our eternal place, our final place. So, anyway, when you speak in that language, you change the language, you change your behavior. It's like, so the the whole conversation about migrants is, and I, I think we always want to fix the root of problems, right? know as men or as americans or whatever we think our role in this world is to fix things mm. and i think the older get you realize there's just a lot of things you can't fix and yeah um, you, you learn more about what's happening with the reason if you try to find the root of why there's migration that is binding up at our southern border there's multiple intersecting things that are happening Mm -hmm. that are way beyond our control and i'd I'd say the biggest one is um organized crime Mm -hmm. organized crime has pretty much control taken control of everything south of our border um everything every facet of your life i can't imagine i mean to be honest i every facet so i mean I, i had this moment when i was standing on the u.s side of the border with the border control agents and i was looking across and like the day before, two days before, I had to been in Juarez. And I almost felt like I was in the Hunger Games. Or wow. like or like by the Berlin Wall. And it's just like, yeah, I'm standing here and I have absolute safety and everything. I can just walk away. I have what the world would perceive mm. is the best. And there's three million people right across the other side that literally die trying to get here. And they're... Man they're under the, the thumb of organized crime with every facet of their life. And I and I can just walk away with no shame. I mean, it, it was just gut-wrenching. It was just... Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think when it was there and at that moment I just realized that really reinforced, reinforced people aren't a statistic. So anyway, the, the complexity of how much organized crime has just... controls everyday life. Um, the way that they extort and steal children like Mm. middle schoolers from families. Um, They disappear people. They require protection money from pretty much everyone, from business owners, from everyone. And the Northern Triangle is the worst. Nicaragua, El Salvador, and Honduras. It's called Mm. the Northern Triangle. Look it up, Northern Mm -hmm. Triangle. Yeah. So basically, people can either stay there and be tortured and died or whatever, or they can make a deal with organized crime to get smuggled into the U.S., only to find out later that they're not getting getting in they're just deep in debt to organized crime Jeez, and if they don't man. pay it off their organized crime is going to go back after their relatives back where they live oh i just i mean things it, that we it's for
1: granted you know in our day-to-day lives that we don't have to worry about that or at least i don't i mean you know, yeah but and i hope no one do. does but yeah. the things that we just don't hear of here right you know organized crime exists in america but not to that extent I mean, yeah, it's, it, you and know, it's not
2: controlling where we live. Yeah, you know? I mean, and that organized crime does extend into our area, right? It, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's not.
0: It's more indirect than direct. Though. Right, right. Yeah. I meant so more so like so the, human trafficking is,
2: yeah. is the biggest thing. A lot of the oh, human yeah, trafficking yeah. that that's in our area oh, is, gosh, is yeah. it's from that. Anyway, so, so that's one part of the puzzle that I don't know how you fix that. I don't know if anybody knows how to fix that because it's so deeply entrenched mm-hmm. in the government and everything and south of the border but then it's our own government and i'm patriotic and all that stuff but you know my ancestors came here in the 1850s mm. and since about like the 1850s until now there's been about 40 different immigration laws passed in the united states regarding migrants yeah and do you think it's been made easier or harder probably harder i'm mean, gonna guess harder yeah right and yeah. it it's so complicated now to get in to, oh, yeah t- to the u.s that it it's not like when our ancestors came when people say well why can't they do what our ancestors did you'd be like they'd love to live by the rules our ancestors <laughs> did <laughs> they would love to have yeah. half half those laws yeah yeah so, so they basically can't so the people that are oppressed by organized crime trust organized crime more than our government so facing death they'll choose to get smuggled in wow yeah so you have that part of it and then over and above that we have a fear of what we don't know
0: Hmm.
2: we have a fear of what we don't know you know um so you know we listen to the media and i think you started like that cameron or you said something about that is that
0: listening to 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 social media people complaining about yeah not only the things that they can't control but things that they just don't
2: understand they don't don't understand because if
0: you did understand it you wouldn't be complaining about it
2: right 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 so if people really understood first of all what's happening in central and south america and how we're really all part of that same creation of god we're we're all the same human beings and we just have to be lucky enough to be on one side and whatever you think of our government they just they are what they are you know Mm -hmm. we're and, and I say it quite often, you know, I mean, we're a, we're a capitalist country that's built on whatever financially makes sense. Mm. I mean, ultimately, that's what our country does. If it financially makes sense, we'll do it. And the only thing that's financially lucrative with migrants is for extorting people, really, for organized crime. Mm. We, we as a country haven't figured out where, where there's value in... Uh, we haven't put a financial dollar amount on migrants otherwise we'd be allowed a it. that that's a judgment i think yeah
1: yeah so we kind of talked like you had mentioned the things that we can and can't control yeah. but what are some ways that you know me cameron people of manitowoc it's this is fully bigger than us obviously um but what are things that we could do as a community to support or to, um, I guess help people seeking refuge. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I don't know if you, you learn about what things people could do to help. Um, but if, if you did, I would love to, to hear about that. It,
2: that's interesting. You know, and I think there's, there, there's something I also learned on going on this mission trip is that it's, a role isn't, it's not like migrants are stupid. It's, right. it, yeah. it's not like they don't have the answers or they don't know what they need. Mm. I think the biggest thing we can do is listen. Yeah. So, to, to answer your question, what's the biggest thing we can do is, is to listen. Mm-hmm. And the only way to listen to people that don't have a voice is to meet them face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's like, how, and, and think of it this way, how can we meet migrants face-to-face or meet people that we suspect are migrants face-to-face in a way that's like, hey, I'm here. I see you. Um, is there something you need? Is there something that I can assist with? Yeah. You know, I'd imagine in our area it's housing. Mm. Housing is terrible. But I don't know. I, I think it's just, Getting to getting to know people and understanding, getting to know people one by one. You know, as Americans, we want to mass produce a fix for everything. Hmm. And the more I, the older I get, I realize you don't mass produce love. Yeah, you know, you don't mass. And I want to call it well, charity and love. Love, one of the meanings of love is charity, and that is actually getting to know people as individuals. So it. it I don't know that there's a mass. The whole migration issue. It's a uh, something that's been with us for since Moses. I don't know. Yeah, since time. Abraham, yeah. right? He yeah. He migrated. And I think the whole thing that our Bible teaches us is we should be aware and attentive and welcoming and supportive to migrants, yeah. as opposed to the alternative, right. which whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So I don't have a definitive answer. Answer other than. Get closer to the yeah. get closer to the issue. No, I think, get closer that, to the I think that's a good answer. Yeah, I think that's kind of was. I don't, know, I don't mean an to be open. A it was open ended. Yeah, I don't mean but, it to be a cop out, but it's just like. No, it's... I think that I think that's it. It's like if your wife says "love me more," it's like you don't go find a book on that. Right. You, don't, you spend more time closer to her. Right. Right. Then right. you probably won't understand it. You just spend more time, and it's like, hey, what can I do? Right. Yeah. yeah she'll tell you.
0: I think that goes to a. Uh, this it goes to this we always hear about if we were just that we need to be more empathetic to people and the idea of empathy we like to think of like as being accepting or just just be empathetic just be accepting of of people that's not what the word empathy means empathy means to enter into the suffering Mm -hmm. of somebody's life to suffer with them to feel those emotions because, because and, and I really like that you, you mentioned that this isn't a problem that we can, as America or as men or whatever, we can't just fix this. This is something that people go through a massive amount of suffering. And really the only thing you can do is A, pray.
2: No.
0: B, pray more. And C, be empathetic.
2: Listen to where the Holy Spirit calls you. Mm-hmm.
0: for sh- for sure right. S- you sometimes you need to stand in the crap and be in the crap with with somebody else
2: Get the smell of the sheep right
0: yeah <laughs> get the smell of the sheep <laughs> to to make them feel uh, I mean that really is what love it that that is really what love is is sacrifice right sacrifice the the comfort of your life. To suffer with somebody, to sit in their brokenness with them, and just like you said, listen. I mean, I think that's important. I think I think that's the main thing I'm trying to right. go, go for here.
2: Yeah, yep, you, you know, and, and that's that. That's our works of mercy. You know, are I forgot which works of mercy. That's spiritual or
0: probably corporal. But,
2: corporal, yeah. But it's, you know, it's like um, visiting the imprisoned. I mean... as a
0: corporal work, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's uh, spe- spending time with the people that are mourning. Mm. I mean, you can't release that person from prison and you can't bring their person that's dead back yeah. to life. Uh, spending, some time, spending time with someone that's been abused. You can't take away their abuse. Uh, spending time with someone that lost a child or a, someone to suicide. You, you can't undo that, but you can spend time with them. Um, spending time on someone that's homeless, you probably can't get them a home, but you can demonstrate that they have dignity by investing some of your time and just listening to
1: them. I remember when I was in nursing school, we watched a video, and and we really stress empathy in nursing a lot. Um, They showed a great video, and I could probably find it, but it was stressing that it was talking about the difference of, of sympathy and empathy, right? And uh, it's this great red talk, um or TED talk, excuse me, um, of this lady she's saying, I go, If somebody was in a pit, no ladder, nothing to get out, um, you know, and they're calling up and they're like, Help and you're standing at the top, and you're like, Well, that sucks. You know, that's not, that's not helpful, right? Like, oh that really that really stinks. What do you what do you want me to do you know but empathy is climbing into the hole and, and sitting next to them with them and 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 asking them and talking to them about being in the hole um, it's it's putting yourself at the I don't want to say like level but um, it's being in their experience It's being in
2: their experience right that's so, encounter that, yeah. that, that's encounter or, or a company that Pope Francis talks about yeah. that, that's encounter and a company being where they are. Just accompany them. Yeah. I mean, you know that you can escape it. Yeah. But they might not know that they can escape it. Right. They're they're trapped in it, but you're just there with them. So at least that they their reality is they're trapped, they're not alone. Yeah. Not knowing alone you're, and trapped. Yeah, knowing you're not alone goes a long way in the world, I
1: believe. I think. Agreed. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Uh Deegan, the other the other thing I wanted to mention, you and I were kind of chatting on Sunday after mass and um you or I think it was maybe before mass. We were we were chatting. Uh, I didn't know this about you. You've written a book.
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, how, how does how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, to start writing. I've I've learned that over time that as an introvert, I don't really like talking because, anyways. So I love writing. You've done great so far. Well, thank you. There's, there's only two of you, so I'm not totally intimidated. If there was a third person, it would be, it'd be game over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah. So how'd that happen? I don't know. I remember when I was going for my bachelor's, I remember just telling people around me, I'm going to write a book. And it's going to be a book about waking up I knew, I had no idea what it meant. But I think it had to had to do with um, having a new awareness, mm. you know, of having a new awareness and at that point, I wasn't at a point that was even close to spiritual <laughs> yeah. at all. You know, it was probably more of a Tony Robbins type of thing about waking up. You know who Tony Robbins is? No. Mm-hmm. He, the, he, he's like one of those self help gurus. That's yeah. Cool. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. That gotcha. yeah, gotcha. gotcha. trains salespeople mm-hmm. how to build up the self confidence. Gotcha. Yeah. So, sort of like that. I think that's what I felt it was. Anyway, long story short, I was, it was two years ago. Two years ago, my granddaughter Maggie was going to have her first birthday. And I thought, well, what can I give Maggie for her birthday? I thought, I'm going to write her a book. And I'm going to give her a life lessons book. Yeah, So awesome. I, wrote, I wrote this book. And in prayer, I mean, the words just came to me. It's called Perpetual Waking. You know, and it, um, I gave each of you guys a copy. And there's really more questions than there are answers. But it just talks about basically, uh, we're all just basically where we are. Mm-hmm. it's not right or wrong it's not good or bad it's just we are where we are yet we're intended for somewhere else uh, we're not stuck right we're, we're not we're not stuck here and, and i think some of it speaks to my uh history with mental health and uh suicide and things just a deep desire that people don't ever feel lost or without hope or feel like they're stuck or trapped in something so the different sections of this book or questions is just help believing that first of all, there is hope and there is a place for me. Mm. And then it's really deciding what is the place and what am I going to do about it? Cause if we don't do something, the world's going to happen to us. Mm. Right. we can either let the world happen to us or we can have a plan and to do something. And so once we realize we can get out of the situation we're in, we have to realize where we want to go. Mm, yeah, and then we have to realize we have to have a plan. What are the steps we're going to take? And then it's pretty much persevere in that plan and fail a few times. And it's not failing; it's just learning what doesn't work. Right. And continuing as you go, realize you might have chosen the wrong path, but you always can choose a new one. And 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 that, I think that's a spiritual life. I think that's what I would. Well, it's what I told my granddaughter at one. Basically, and I'll tell her at three and whatever it is. It doesn't matter where you are. It just believe you can be somewhere else. And mm. yeah, no, I like. Lo- mean, I love that. It's meant to be inspirational. You know, I, I, I took that uh, called and gifted or gifted and called discernment thing, mm. and I think some of my charisms are one of them's mercy, one of them's writing, um, wisdom, knowledge. I think are the ones that I have. So, anyway, yeah, very be holes. That's how it happened. So basically, I, I put together this pamphlet for my granddaughter. But then there's this website where you can publish things mm. and print it. So I paid to print a few copies. Yeah. But basically, I've just been handing them out. So I started this street ministry that I've actually done twice. I've created this banner. And on the, panner, in the banner, it says, You are beautiful in love. Change my mind. So I take this banner, and I just put up that banner, and I go... I've done this, and I just go sit in a public space, and I just sort of sit there in my chair with the sign "You are beautiful," and love changed my mind. Well, the only people that have come up to me so far are people that I know. Yeah, but it's more a sign of inspiration and hope. Yeah. So these books, I I don't ever plan on getting rich from them. I plan on sharing them if anybody wants them, and it's it's more for inspiration for anyone that needs inspiration.
1: Well, I think it's it's a. I mean, I haven't read it yet. I plan on doing this, uh, though. I plan on reading it. It's, and it's like a five-minute read. Yeah, yeah, but it, I think that we all could, based on what you have uh, have said of what it's about, I think everyone can resonate with that. I think in life, we as humans at times feel stuck. We don't know what to do, um, and we can often feel overwhelmed. Um, and I don't have to get into the... You know, everyone knows about mental health and the uh, the difficulties that some some have of of overcoming difficulties. Um, you know, I think everyone knows of, of, of it to an extent, but um, I think that this this is um, a beautiful message, though, of of knowing that you know you are not stuck. There is a way out. Failure. Is like you said, just it's you. You learned that that didn't work, and I think that I, that's something that I've I've tried to carry with myself, knowing that failure is is temporary. You know, you 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 failed at something. Okay, now what? What next? You know, it's just you you just learned something about yourself, turning it it into a learning experience. And I think uh, I think this is great. I'm I'm looking forward to reading this. Actually, I'm gonna do it tonight.
2: You know, and I think it can apply to an atheist. You know, it can can apply to anyone. But I think it also can apply to someone that's Christian. Mm. And uh, for us cradle Catholics, you know, we were... Like, if I tell my story, I mean, I just... I was taught stuff, but I never really learned it, right? Mm, And for many people, that's the end. What they learned in religious ed is it Mm. there is is no more. And I think this book sort of says... I guess it's okay if you want to stay there, but you are intended for more. Mm, yeah. You know, and I'd encourage you to, you know, the spiritual journey isn't dormant. Or it shouldn't be. Right. It it may be, but it shouldn't be. So whoever has, we all have spiritual journeys, and it should be moving and growing and changing. And it might not just happen to us. We have to put something into it. Right. And I think that's what we as a church globally need to do better at is, Help people just understand that that we're not chastising them that they're not growing. It saying, "Well, either you're growing or you're dying. Do you want to grow, <laughs> or you want to die? <laughs> grow, <laughs> grow. right? <laughs> you know, it's like an inspirational thing. Grow closer closer to Christ. Find your joy. Find your passion. Mm-hmm. Find you know find what makes you happy, it brings you joy.
0: You and I totally had a conversation about this. We, so we were gonna you know, and we we, were going we, we botched
1: it. We're the gone.
0: The email, if. You have any prayer prayer requests? We are praying for you. We want to pray for you. We want to know what you need prayers for. If you so, if you have prayer requests, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, we have a short list right now. We definitely make room for you if you're a member of the Saint Francis community. You have a story to tell. We want to hear what your story is, or if you know somebody who would be great to be on the podcast, but are smart and are not on social media and they or they haven't heard the podcast themselves you can email us at humblyspeakingpod at gmail.com i'm pretty sure that that's spelled correctly humbly speaking pod all lowercase at gmail.com we are praying for you please pray for us i i'm gonna be father mike schmitz there for a second i'm praying for you please pray for me that's what he says he was Oh Uh, yeah, your podcast.
2: Uh, So much more smoothie than we. Isn't that what Pope Francis said? It at uh, his first word says, a pope. Pray for me. Pray for me. Yeah,
0: that's we all need. We all need prayers. Yeah, we all need prayers. Um, John, I'd love to talk to you about Stranger Things four. So please finish that.
1: I will. I'm one episode away from finishing the first. Five ep- or seven episodes that they, re- they released. So
0: no spoilers. I'm getting there. I'm getting close. No spoilers, but it's it's so good. It's good so far. It's I'm, so good. I'm,
1: I'm pleased with with this season.
0: I'm a little worried. I don't want to get too in the weeds now with, right. with TV, but like Stranger thing, I'm I was worried about the season because a lot of TV shows get into the weeds in themselves and want to continue going mm. past where. They need to stop. The office right did not need that last season.
1: Uh, it, it, they really didn't need the last like maybe two seasons. Maybe two or so. seasons.
0: Friends didn't even need a last right. season. Um, if if all TV shows should follow the formula of the Good Place, great show. The Good Place knew where to end. If you haven't seen The Good Place, it is on Netflix. It is phenomenal.
1: It's a great show.
0: It is. It is really a great show. But I'd love to talk to you about Stranger Things because I was worried that they were that they should have ended at the three. I thought it was okay that they ended at three. But then they said, oh, we're going to have two more seasons. And I was really worried that this season would be very bad.
1: They have nailed it so far. They have
0: nailed it absolutely. And the episode that you're about to watch nails it absolutely.
1: Probably going to go home and watch it.
0: We also got to read this book.
1: I will do that as well.
0: Do you watch anything, Deacon? You watch TV?
2: Mm, not very much. No, no. You know, I I love observing people, um, observing nature, um, sports a little bit. I, too much. My cell phone. I'm a. I shocked you didn't ask me about Pokemon Go. I actually have two accounts for Pokemon Go. I would not Go. have guessed that you were on Pokemon Go. I have two accounts. That's a level thirty-nine. You like need, a, need a thirty-nine to and forty-three. I would. don't. I don't, I don't have Pokemon Instinct, Go, but both Team Instinct. Wow, I would not have guessed that. I'm I, I would new.
0: have guessed that zero times out of a thousand. Yeah, for sure.
2: So if you ever see Deacon Mark or Deacon Mark Two in any of the gym, gyms around town, that's me. Do you that's play awesome. Pokemon
0: Go, John? No, I don't. No, I, don't. I, don't play I don't. But I might start
1: now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, Father Ben has a Pokemon Go account. Do you guys that's talk true. about it?
1: Yeah. No. No.
2: Maybe once or twice we really. gotcha, all right. I think I I would have put
1: money that Father Ben had one for sure. Oh easy. Easy. But I would not have I'm learning something new about, about everybody. I learned
0: lots of new things about you deacon. Yeah. We want to thank you so much for for coming on, for spending time with us, for sharing your story, for sharing your experience at the border. Again, thank you very much for Oh, thank you for you having will, me. Allowing us to to try to reach people in this way. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we are so excited. We're going to have Michelle Bishop. Yeah, we're very excited.
2: Oh Not next yeah, week. The Two, weeks Two weeks from now. Two weeks
0: from now. Yeah. The, the Michelle. Michelle Bishop. You've Miss heard Michelle. her wonderful Miss voice. Michelle. You've heard her wonderful playing Miss Michelle, as the kids would know her. Um, you've heard her wonderful playing. You've heard her wonderful voice at, at Mass. We're so, I'm so excited. I'm
1: very excited, Michelle. Very I'm, excited. Yeah.
0: So one last time, if you know anybody who would like to – would. Be good on the podcast if you want to be on the podcast yourself. If you want us to pray for you, we'd love to pray for you. Send your prayer requests. pod at gmail.com. We will talk to you soon. Praise be Jesus Christ.
1: Amen.